And now, before we get into the Boochcast, I have something important I want to talk to everybody about. Recently, the wrestling world suffered a tragic loss, as well as the Bagwell family. Recently, uh, Buff Bagwell's mother, uh, Judy Bagwell, uh, passed away after a long battle with dementia and a recent battle with COVID. Now, many people know Judy Bagwell as the entertaining, spunky... Uh, fighting mom in world championship wrestling. Uh, she was known for being one half of the tag team titles with Rick Steiner. Uh, she was in the infamous Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. And she was also in Buff's Corner at Bash of the Beach 1999 during his boxing match with Roddy Piper. Uh, but she was so much more than that to the ones that knew her. Judy went out of her way for her family. And now that family wants to say a proper goodbye to the one who gave them so much. And the problem is, uh, unfortunately, the Bagwell family, as much as they've been, as hard as they've been working and as much as they've been contributing, they just don't have the necessary funds to make that happen. And anybody that knows Buff Bagwell knows he is a very uh, stubborn and prideful individual. And I don't say that to mock him in any way, shape, or form. I say that because it's the truth. And one thing that Buff and I have always been about uh, with each other and with our fans, whether it was through wrestling or the podcast or comedy or whatever, we've always been about telling our fans the truth and just telling each other the truth. So I know that Buff is too stubborn to ask for help. That's why uh, myself and Michael Long, who is the co-host for uh, Buff Bagwell's podcast, Rebuilding Buff, uh, the two of us have teamed up together to organize a fundraiser uh, to raise the money necessary for uh, the Judy Bagwell Funeral Fund. And all funds that we raise through this GoFundMe page will go towards giving Judy Bagwell a proper funeral and helping her husband of many years get back on his feet after a heavy loss so that's where the money is going and we are encouraging anybody out there uh, to donate whatever amount you realistically can to help us reach our goal our goal is to raise $30,000 and we are asking all the wrestling fans out there who are fans of Buff Bagwell who are fans of Judy Bagwell if you're a fan of the Boochcast if you're a fan of Rebuilding Buff we are encouraging all of you to go to GoFundMe.com slash Judy Bagwell Funeral Fund and donate whatever amount you can to help us reach this goal. Now, if you're not able to, there is no pressure. We are not pressuring anyone. We are not judging anyone. We totally understand if you cannot afford to do so. But just know, any amount that you can donate, we appreciate. No amount is too small. It could be $10. It could be $20. It could be $75. It could be $100. Hell, you could donate $5. You could donate $300. It doesn't matter how much you donate. Any amount of money you put towards this GoFundMe campaign, I appreciate, Michael appreciates, and most importantly, the bag well family appreciates so the link will be posted throughout social media uh you can see them on my pages buff bagwell's pages michael long's pages uh everywhere you can go and you will be able to click the link donate what you can and help out go to gofundme.com slash judy bagwell funeral fund or go into the search bar and type in judy bagwell funeral fund and donate whatever you can to help the Bagwell family. And remember, all funds raised will go towards giving Judy Bagwell a proper funeral and helping her husband of many years get back on his feet after a heavy loss.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. Now, before we jump into this recap, I do have one uh, thing I need to address uh, here on the Boochcast, and that is why it has taken me this long this week to do the NXT recap. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the answer to that question is simple. As you know, earlier this week, um, both on YouTube and here on uh, Anchor, I have uploaded an audio and a video version of my review of the collision in Korea. On the YouTube channel, we 
we had the uh, Collision in Korea came out uh, with myself, Gator Ricky Ross, and the NXT correspondent, Mr. John Tumblin, who managed to take time out of his very busy schedule to take part in the video uh, review. And part of the reason for that was because, as you know here on the Boochcast, Gator and I are the main ones that do the classic pay-per-view reviews. And since the Collision in Korea was also a pay-per-view show, I decided that not only should we talk about the video version of Collision in Korea, you know, telling the stories about everything crazy that went down during the wrestler's experience and time in Korea, but we should do an audio version where we recap the matches. So I felt Gator should be part of the video version of the Collision in Korea. And Gator said, um, when I invited him to do this, he said, do we normally have other co-hosts in the videos? And I said, yes, anybody who is interested can be a part of it. Well, Gator specifically requested that he wanted John to be part of the recap. And he told me under no circumstances did he want Desmond or Elvis to be part of that recap because uh, John is the one correspondent that uh, Gator has respect for. For whatever reason, he's not a fan of Elvis and Desmond doing recaps, mostly because they're heavy into AEW and Gator is very anti-AEW. So I wanted to respect his wishes and I put John in the Collision in Korea video. I asked him to be part of it. He said yes. I told him that Gator asked for him specifically because Gator loves and respects the way John talks about the business. And I know a lot of you guys do as well. That's why I love having John on the show with me. That and the fact that he loves wrestling and we're very good friends. But also I know the fans love him so I try to get him on here as much as possible. So even though John is still on his hiatus and he won't be back until the beginning of 2022, we'll see him again in January, uh, he uh, decided to be a part of the video. However, he could not be part of the audio version so the audio version ended up being just me and Gator Ricky Ross. And as you know, when Gator is on the Boochcast, Gator likes to hijack the show, make it all about him, and says a lot of things that are crazy and outlandish. Now look, I have thick skin, ladies and gentlemen, and if there's one thing I cannot stand in this world, it is politically correct snowflakes. I fucking hate them with a passion. You know that I do. But I also know there is a difference between doing jokes and bits and someone who is being controversial just to be controversial. And I don't like that style of entertainment, okay? If you're going to be controversial, do it because you're actually making a valid point or saying something that's actually funny while it's controversial in nature. Because think about me. I keep it real 24-7. That's why a lot of times, like, some things I say, people might get offended or upset about. But the reason they're offended or upset is because I'm touching a nerve while speaking the truth. Gator doesn't really do that. He's controversial for the sake of just being controversial, which means I have to heavily edit a lot of the shit that goes down. And because of that, it took me two days to edit that Collision in Korea audio podcast. Now, the video didn't take me quite as long, but the audio took a very long time to make that perfect and get it out there for you guys to love and listen to and check out. So, because of that, even though I did watch NXT, I was not able to recap it until now because it literally took me two days. Because I watched it on Tuesday. I also had to edit the Collision in Korea. It took a really long time and I was tired 
tired and I was going to pass out. So I so I got as much as I could done and then I went to sleep. Then Wednesday, I got last night, I got up, I edited, went crazy, did everything, took care of everything, got it up there and boom, it was done. Now at the time that I'm recording this NXT recap, it is 9.14 p.m. on a Thursday. Uh, hopefully this will be out late Thursday night, Friday mornings when you guys will be checking this out. So all I'm saying is I apologize for the lateness, but I was determined to give you guys an NXT recap as I am one of the main NXT guys here on the show. As far as AEW goes, um, like I said before and I'll say it again, if you're an AEW fan and you're not happy that the AEW recaps aren't happening, Elvis is the person you want to go to because it's his responsibility and he keeps dropping the ball. Now as far as full gear goes, hopefully we'll have a recap for that. Uh, My goal is to hopefully be watching it with Desmond and if Desmond is interested and I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't be, hopefully Desmond can return to the show and the two of us can talk about full gear. I can't make any promises on that because I don't know how my weekend is going to go. But anyway, I just wanted to give you guys those updates. Make sure you check out the Collision in Korea audio review. Check out the video on the YouTube channel. I greatly appreciate it. And with all that said, we're going to kick things off with the first official match of the evening for this week's NXT with a six-woman tag team match. Toxic Attraction versus Io Shirai, Caden Carter, and Casey Cantanzaro. This was a great opening match. And that's the best way I can describe it. It was great to open a show. A lot of great back and forth action. A l- there was a little spot monkey-ish, but uh, it did calm down after a little bit. There was a couple of moments, but eventually they were able to tone it back down. And uh, once again, uh, I have to admit it, Mandy Rose is impressing me. I never thought I'd say that, but Mandy Rose is definitely reinventing herself. She is definitely getting better in the ring. Her moves are starting to do very well. Uh, she's getting a little bit better with the psychology and she is definitely coming into her own as a heel and is definitely making her looks work for her. I don't know what it is but she is much better with the darker hair than she was as a blonde. Like this is she's no longer a centerfold bitch. She looks like a badass bitch now. Like this is a great new look for her and I'm starting to have a different outlook on Mandy Rose now. Now that she's reinventing herself in NXT. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm very, very impressed. And I never thought I'd say those words ever about Mandy Rose. Because y'all know, I've been a massive Mandy Rose hater. I have hated this bitch for a long fucking time. But I am able to give credit where credit is due. She is impressing me. And of course, um, Gigi Dolan has always impressed me. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, Not gonna lie, the third girl in the group, the JC Jane, uh, she's not really impressing me much. I'm not a big fan of JC. I feel like she's like the the tag-along little sister in this group. Like, she's just there. I, I don't see her having much of a future as a singles competitor. Like, if Toxic Attraction splits up, I know Gigi Dolan will do just fine. I don't see JC Jane doing fine. If they split up, it's only a matter of time before JC Jane joins that list of WWE superstars who have gotten released. And of course, that's another story for another episode. And of course, Io Shirai does what Io Shirai always does and uh you know Caden Carter and Casey Canton Zero I'm not really impressed by them they just they just show up when it's convenient to have like a six woman tag thing it's just or a tag team match when you need to put somebody over so Gigi Dolan hits her finish on Carter gets the one two three the winners of the match toxic attraction makes perfect sense they're allowing themselves to keep dominating which is 
what a heel faction needs to do, especially after they've held all the gold. They need to have a good, solid, long run with these belts and need to dominate until you can build up three credible women that can take them out. You need a credible singles woman and a credible female tag team. And if I really look at this, here's how I would book this. This is what I'd like to see. I want to see Toxic Attraction run rough shot all over the women's division. And the three women that I want to see dethrone them are Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, and Parati. That's what I'd love to see. The three women of the way get together and Indy Hartwell becomes a tag team champion with her friend and Candice LeRae finally gets the NXT Women's Championship. So you have Toxic Attraction versus The Way and that's how they lose. Uh, that's what I would do. I would wait till Candice LeRae is back from her pregnancies. I know she's pregnant right now. Let her have the baby and then let her, you know, get back in ring shape. And when the time is right, bring her back and then boom, they just take out Toxic Attraction. Then after they take out Toxic Attraction, you call them up to the main roster, put them on Raw or SmackDown and let them do some damage. I would love that. Let them do some damage. That would be great. That's exactly how I book this and I think that that is a brilliant way to do it if you got a better idea comment below and on that note we cut to the backstage area with Pete Dunn who says if Tony D'Angelo wants to make a name for himself he knows where to find him next Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes interrupt Williams calls Dunn's mama a bobblehead and his dad a bootlicker also Williams and Hayes are about it about it Dunn asks Williams what he is on about Hayes tells Dunn that he meant what he said Hayes doesn't care what Dunn thinks, and he can kiss Hayes' ass. Dune threatens to break Hayes' fingers tonight. Williams holds Hayes back. Not gonna lie, not a bad segment, but it was still, like, fucking awkward. Like, just going around insulting a random dude for no reason. I never understood those those segments or those promos. I think they're stupid. They're ridiculous. You're just doing it just to make a match, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. I, I don't get that. I, I get he's a heel, and he's trying to be a bully and all that shit, but still. it ne I never understood. It never made sense when you just walk up and want to fuck with somebody for no reason. That's, it's just, it's dumb to me. It's dumb in real life. That's why it's dumb in the ring. Like, when you just want to fuck with somebody for no reason, I think it's fucking stupid. And on that note, we cut to a random-ass segment with MSK, who are looking for somebody, and they find out the person's, uh, you know, address has changed. And now they're going to get on a plane, and, you know, they're going to go get some, uh, apparently going to get some weed beforehand. They said, is that the Mile High Club? And I'm just like, th these guys are fucking retarded. This is stupid. Come on. Anybody who's anybody knows the Mile High Club is fucking in an airport bath. We all know this by now. We're grown adults. Who doesn't know at this point what the Mile High Club is? It's fucking stupid. This is all fucking stupid. These guys are idiots. They're not entertaining in any way. Why do these two still have a fucking job? Who are they blowing to stay on this roster? I Please, someone tell me. They have no talent on the mic. They're spot monkeys in the ring. They contribute nothing to the growth of NXT. They don't. They are worthless, and they are taking up space. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. Kaylee Ray versus Saray. And I know some of you out there are thinking, is this a, if you want to call it that type of situation? Well, here's my answer to that. 
Fuck no, this was a match. How do I know this was a match? Because Saray took the fight to Kaylee Ray. She took the fucking fight. I mean, you know, getting a modified single leg crab that she rolled Ray into, the fisherman's suplex for the near fall. I mean, Saray took the fight to KLR. She freaking dominated this match at one point. But Kaylee Ray was able to eventually get the upper hand and just demolish her. And then eventually she hits the KLR bomb on the announce desk, brings her back into the ring, hits it a second time, and gets the one, two, three, the winner of the match, Kaylee Ray. Now, I'm sure there's some wrestling purists out there going, why does she have to put him through a table and then hit it a second time? Here's why. Because even though the spot on the announce desk was badass and can't be topped, she still has to get her back in the ring to pin her. Because the pinfall can only happen in the ring. So she had to pick her back up and get her in the ring. So obviously if she's back up on her feet, she still has the ability to somewhat kick out. Even though she might be weak, she's not weak enough where she can't lift a shoulder up. So she had to hit another one to solidify the fact that this bitch is going to stay down. So booking-wise... It made sense. And Kaylee Ray is obviously off to a dominating start. I think this is fucking great. And I look forward to seeing more from her. Now, obviously, you know, this is at the expense of Saray, which I'm totally fine with because right now there's no reason to build her up. And I've seen enough dominant Japanese wrestlers on, especially in the female division, on NXT already, okay? We've already got two or three. I don't need a fourth one. I really don't. It's it's annoying at this point. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area where we see Joe Gacy, who says his heart goes out to Boa. Boa seems like he thinks he has to hide his true self. Through their conflict, hopefully, hopefully Gacy can help him through it. Gacy says Harlan shouldn't have to be uncomfortable in his own skin. What Gacy does tonight is for both of them. Gacy asks for Harlan, wherever he is, to reach his hand out for Gacy. Again, I'm loving this gimmick. Joe Gacy gets better and better on the mic every week. It is amazing. It is awesome. I love his promos. And he's got great in-ring work on top of that. This is a guy who truly understands character development, which is a lost art form in wrestling today. And we get further proof of that. And when we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that, uh, Joe Gacy versus Boa. And the answer is, no, we're not calling this a match because it doesn't really last very long. And Joe Gacy does win the match, but he wins it by disqualification because Boa puts Gacy in a death grip and refuses to let it go by past the five count, so the ref disqualifies Boa, which is kind of cool because you don't see a lot of disqualifications like that often with, you know, with the rope count. You know, usually they break it after three or four. So I found that intriguing and I like it because it teaches the audience that that's still a way you can lose a match. Because even though there's a rule in place, if you don't see that rule being broken often, then you pretty much know it's not going to happen. So now that we've seen it happen, it can make you think, oh, someone can get disqualified by that at any moment. So I like the fact they did that. Also, I did notice that with Boa, the light started to flicker and Boa stared at his hand. And I felt like this was kind of similar to what they did with Finn Balor at Extreme Rules when he was unconscious the whole boom, 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 
boom, boom. And then all of a sudden he just sprung back to life magically. I, I feel like they're, they're taking that away from Balor and they're going to start giving that to Boa. And I don't know, maybe I need to see it more. Maybe this needs more time to develop and maybe it can turn into something cool. But right now at first sight, I'm not liking this. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area and we see um, Solo Sequoia, LA Knight, and Grayson Waller. Each of them, uh, you know, LA Knight and Grayson Waller trying to argue over the fact of who wanted to pick a fight with Solo Sequoia. But Solo says, hey, I'm not going to choose. Let's have, th- let's let's settle it. Three men enter, one man walks out. So now we have a triple threat match, which is kind of cool. And then we got to the Diamond Mine where, you know, they're in heavy training and they're looking to see who is going to be next on their list. And the Diamond Mine is forever and how dominant all these guys are. And Diamond Mine is still a badass faction and I'm loving it. They're, tre- they're, 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 they're taking themselves seriously and they're allowing themselves to be treated seriously. And they're laughing at the fact that uh, this new, the new tag team of Kushida and Jiro, which is now being called Jacket Time, is basically a comedy act and reminding everybody that they're a joke and that Diamond Mine's for real. And I like that because it's 100% true. And on that note, move on in the next match of the evening. We got some tag team action. Jacket Time versus the Creed Brothers. Love this match. I love it because the Creed Brothers showed no mercy. This was a match truly designed to be a badass type of match. These tag teams were ready for a fight, gave us a fight, and in the end... The right team won. Julius is a delayed gut wrench powerbomb for the win. Roger Strong got a cheap shot on Jiro while the referee was distracted. And both of those aspects of the match made the finish perfect. Because the Creed brothers got to be dominant badasses while also still being heels who had to cheat to win. But they cheated in such a way that it doesn't make the Creed brothers look like pussies. Because they didn't do anything. Roger Strong did. They were badass throughout the match. And then Roderick Strong just gave him that extra little assist. So that was perfect. That's how you build a dominant heel. You let him be badass and you let the other people cheat. Let the manager cheat. Let the ringside people cheat. But you as the badass, you don't cheat. Because you don't have to. And then, of course, after the match, there's a massive beatdown. Odyssey comes out to attack Roderick Strong. And now we're probably going to have a match between them at some point down the road. Which doesn't make any sense because Roderick Strong is a Cruiserweight champion. Odyssey Jones is in no way eligible for a Cruiserweight title. So why is this fucking feud even happening? Makes no fucking sense. Next, we cut to the backstage area where toxic attractions in the parking lot. Mandy Rose issues a warning to Kaylee Ray because while she came out to the ring, she kind of stared down uh, Tati attraction kind of giving an indication that Kaylee Ray is looking to become uh, NXT Women's Champion so it looks like she wants to be a challenger next Raquel Gonzalez drives up on her motorcycle and tells Rose she'll deal with her later and to keep her title warm as she drives into the arena now I like that because obviously Raquel Gonzalez is going to be focusing on Dakota Kai who screwed her out of the women's title and basically Mandy Rose know I'm gonna deal with you later so right now Raquel's not going anywhere near Toxic Attraction, which is perfect because that allows Toxic Attraction to continue to dominate while Raquel is over here trying to get revenge because now she's not interested in her title role. She wants revenge. She wants to settle the score with her former best friend. So she has to put that feud to bed before 
she can fight to regain her title. And on that note, we cut to uh, Gabriel, who is uh, teaching a class on mental toughness. And I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying his backstage segments. Now, when it comes to Andre Chase, I'm going to be honest. I am not a fan of him as a wrestler. But as a personality, he is fucking gold. Like, I think Andre Chase would be better suited as a manager than as a wrestler. That's what I think. I think Andre Chase needs to be a manager. He seems more cut out for that than for being a wrestler because his in-ring work is trash. He's not great in the ring at all. But I love his promos. I love his college classes. I love his gimmick. I say take him off the wrestling roster, put him on the manager roster, and watch him draw money for whoever you want your dominant heel to be. And on that note, we cut to the in-ring segment with Raquel Gonzalez, who says she wants Dakota Kai in the ring right now, and then starts yelling some stuff in Spanish, and also calling her Chiquita. Then Kai walks out to the stage and laughs at Raquel Gonzalez. Next, Cora Jade attacks Kai from behind, which is fucking stupid, and the referees come out and separate the two. Gonzalez then tells Jade that she gets Kai first, and Jade kind of goes, all right, and then she kind of goes for a fist bump, but uh, Raquel just walks away from her because she wants nothing to do with Cora Jade. But she's making it very clear. She gets Dakota Kai before anybody else. And I think that is great. I cannot wait for this match to take place. And I think when it does, it needs to be a street fight. It needs to be a no disqualification match of some capacity. Falls count anywhere, no holds barred, whatever the fuck you want to call it. There needs to be no rules when these two women fight. They need to be able to beat the living shit out of each other. Why? Because this match is very, very personal. And it needs to be treated as such. This is not just two women who want to be the best. These are two friends where one stabbed the other in the back. So I want to see violence and if it was possible, I'd want to see blood. Like somebody needs to get color. But obviously we're not going to see that because WWE doesn't do blood. Which is fine. It's their company. But I think it would be better suited if there was. But this match needs to be violent. 100%. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. If we even want to call it that. We got Cameron Grimes versus Rufang. I have no idea who this person is, nor do I give a fuck. Um, I'm going to say this right now. This was not a match. Uh, these two did a couple of moves. Blah, blah, blah. Wasn't interesting. Duke Hudson walks down to ringside. Grimes hits the cave-in. One, two, three. The winner of the match, Cameron Grimes. After the match, Hudson grabs the mic and accuses Grimes of cheating at poker last week. Grimes says he won fair and square and it was fun. Hudson says he'll never lose to someone who looks like Grimes ever again. Grimes says he played Hudson last week. He played dumb. Hudson challenges Grimes to a poker showdown next week and Grimes accepts. Now, what I love most about this is the fact that, you know, Duke Hudson calls him a stupid hick. He gives him a lot of crap for how he looks. But then Cameron Grimes gets serious and says he likes to have fun, but he is a lot smarter than people give him credit for. And that's how he's able to take advantage of people. And I thought that was great. I loved Cameron Grimes getting serious, being sincere, not being all personality, not having to say, to the moon. He just got, he just said, you're on. Let's do it. Let's have a poker showdown. So it looks like in the ring, we're going to have a poker showdown. It's going to be a live poker game instead of the backstage area poker games that we've been seeing. And 
Uh, I can't wait for this. I think it's going to be very fun. I think it's going to be very entertaining. And I'm going to be intrigued to see how they pull this off in front of a live audience. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have a triple threat match. Solo Sequoia versus LA Knight versus Grayson Waller. This was a very good back and forth match, which is rare because I normally do not like triple threat matches. But they found a way to make this work. Obviously, Waller and Knight tried to double team Sequoia which I thought was fucking stupid. And the reason I thought it was stupid was because Knight and Waller have more hatred for each other than they do for Sequoia. So why the fuck are they teaming up? That is dumb. The storytelling in this match was garbage in that regard. Sequoia floors both of them with a double clothesline. Waller and Knight work over Sequoia. Waller drops Knight with a rolling stunner. Sequoia suplexes Waller out of the ring. Sequoia lands a big splash. Gets the one, two, three. The winner of the match, solo Sequoia. Now, I'm fine with Sequoia winning the match. What I'm not okay with is that LA Knight had to eat the pin. Why do they keep doing LA Knight dirty like this? If anybody should have been eating the pin, it should have been Grayson Waller, the wannabe cruiserweight with no personality. Meanwhile, you have the most charismatic guy in NXT, and he's eating the pin. That was stupid booking. Terrible booking. Whoever booked that finish should be smacked in the face repeatedly with a fucking tire iron. And on that note, uh, we got Tony D'Angelo uh, delivering a fish to uh, Indy Hartwell, basically implying that Dexter's going to sleep with the fishes next week when he takes on Tony D'Angelo. And they were talking about how they, you know, almost got their hands on the tag team titles, just like how she likes to get her hands on Dexter uh, sexually. And then, of course, we cut to uh, Electra Lopez, who says she's going to have a proposition for a Zion Quinn. So we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, Electra Lopez with Legado Del Fantasma versus Erica Yan. And the answer is, fuck no, this wasn't a match. This was a means to an end. Lopez basically dominated this entire match. Just beat the fuck out of her. Hit a short powerbomb. One, two, three. The winner of the match, Electra Lopez. Then, after the match, she says, What La Madrina wants, La Madrina gets. And what she wants is Zion Quinn. So Quinn comes down to the ring, and Lopez offers Quinn a spot in Legado del Fantasma. Now, Quinn says that Electra Lopez is amazing, but he wants no part of Legato, so he says, I'm sorry, but no. And Wilde says no one says no to Legato and shoves Quinn. Quinn turns around, double clotheslines Wilder and Mendoza. Lopez swings at Quinn. Quinn catches Lopez's hands and pulls her in close, kind of like twists her hands like a pretzel, and she kind of looks over at him, and it's one of those moments where it like he's got her like, you know, kind of bounded up, and she's kind of looking at him like, ooh, you're strong. Like, and that's the thing about that strong women like when a, when a when a strong woman meets a guy who can dominate her, it's a turn on for them. Because women like Electra Lopez just walk over every guy if they're submissive. They like to wear the pants and be dominant. So when they have a guy that can clearly dominate them in a sexual way, it's a massive turn on. Some a lot of powerful people get into that shit. The thought of somebody else in control that they're okay with being in control. So it's very good. So then Quinn lets. Lopez go after the two share that longing gaze. Lopez then holds Mendoza and Wild back as he as uh he gets out. They then they have that moment where they're after she lets her go, they're just kind of gazing at each other. They spin around, they're walking around, kind of staring each other down. And then as they're staring each other down, he gets out of the ring and walks the ramp. Then she holds them back, and you can just see the stare down. There is so much sexual tension, and I love that Beth Phoenix brought that up because the whole time I'm watching that, I am thinking in my head 
head, sexual tension, sexual tension, sexual tension. And I had every intention of talking about it on the Boochcast. I was going to bring that up. So the fact that uh, Beth Phoenix said sexual tension before I could uh, was a great indication. I love the fact that she noticed that because I didn't think they were allowed to talk like that on the broadcast table. So I didn't really worry that much about it. Then after that, we see a quick promo for the upcoming takeover, uh, as William Regal would say, War Games! So we now know there will be an NXT TakeOver War Games, and it will take place Sunday, December 5th. Okay, so that's probably where Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai will settle the score, but here's my question. What the fuck are they going to do for War Games? Can, can someone explain this to me, please? You don't have a lot of factions. You don't have a lot of teams. Who are you going to get to form alliances with for war games? I mean, so far, you could maybe have toxic attraction against Io Shirai, Caden Carter, and JC Jane, but then you either have to have a three-on-three war games, which is fucking stupid, or each one of them would have to get an extra female to play on their team. And the only logical thing I could think of to do would be to see if Dakota Kai would be the fourth member of Toxic Attraction for one night, and maybe Raquel Gonzalez would join up with Io Shirai, Caden Carter, and Casey Cantanzaro, and that would be the four-on-four for the women's war games. But as far as the men's war games goes, I have no fucking idea how to do this, because you have split up every single faction in there. Pete Dunn had a dominant team, but then he called up Ridge Holland to the main roster, and they kicked the other two guys out of their group, and one of them got released. So what the fuck are the men gonna do? This is, this is why it's stupid to cut out factions. At least wait till after the war games. Because like I said, you might be able to fix the war game situation if you do it the way I suggested, but you have nothing for the men's team. Nothing. You just have to throw random dudes together and Put them in the war games. I don't see any other way this is going to work. You don't have any other options here. Unless you do maybe uh, Diamond Mine and the two Japanese guys find somebody else. I don't know what else to fucking do. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. Pete Dunne versus Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams. This was a phenomenal main event. These were two fantastic wrestlers working a match. Two people who know how to work, two people who know how to tell a story, two people who have great personalities. Especially Pete Dunne, who is coming into his own as a personality. He definitely has over the last several months. Pretty much since Pat McAfee left the original group and Pete Dunne had to take over as the leader. He has come into his own as a personality. So these two put on a wrestling clinic. Carmelo Hayes is definitely the A champion on this brand. And he is a future star in NXT. And if the main roster can find a way to not fuck up, he could be a star on the main roster as well. Pete Dunne, same thing. They were amazing. They were awesome. Uh, obviously, the interference from Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis was helpful. And in the end, um, you know, a hand grabs Hayes' ankle. That turned out to be Johnny Gargano. And then in the confusion, Dunne hits the bitter end for the one, two, three. The winner of the match, Pete Dunne. I also love the fact that Dexter Loomis put on a headset at the broadcast table because it's like, motherfucker, you don't talk. The last time we heard you speak was when you said, I do at your wedding. In fact, it was the only time you spoke at all in NXT. So, it, it made no sense. 
but it was still funny. And then afterwards, uh, Johnny Gargano puts the thumbs up. Dexter Loomis puts the thumbs up because they clearly stuck it to Carmelo Hayes, which I thought was great. And obviously, this is going to lead to a future NXT North American title match. So if none of them are involved in a War Games capacity, I would love to see Carmelo Hayes versus Johnny Gargano at TakeOver War Games. Now, who would I want to win? Definitely Carmelo Hayes. The only way Johnny Gargano should win this match and take the North American title from Hayes is if you're ready to make him the NXT champion and put him in a program where you're eventually going to get him to the NXT title. If you have no plans to make him the champ anytime soon, then he needs to remain the North American champion so he can continue to dominate and be the guy who doesn't miss. Even though he missed the mark here tonight. But he can blame Johnny Gargano for that. Alright, that ladies and gentlemen will conclude this recap of NXT. I thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there. Or become a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content for you guys to check out. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos that we have up there. We recently put out a uh, photo for uh, Veterans Day. So because technically it's still Thursday at the time that I'm recording this, I do want to say uh, happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. Uh, all veterans who have served in the military and any veterans who are currently serving in the military. Our heart goes out to you for the sacrifice that you make. Thank you for your service. And also, let me send an even more of a special shout out to the military veteran that we have here on the Boochcast, the one and only Mr. Elvis Delinsky, who did serve in the military. We don't really talk about it often, but he did serve in the military. So, Elvis, for the first time, I'm going to say this. Thank you for your service, my friend. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got great YouTube content. We have Boochcast Reviews, Dark side of the ring collision in korea the new episode recently went up today so make sure you check that out also you can check out all of our other episodes of dark side of the ring as well as our watch parties our DD one shot funny skits the monster mash check all of it out make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you don't miss any of the future episodes of dark side of the ring coming soon including becoming warrior and in the shadow of grizzly smith coming up soon as well as other additional additional Boochcast YouTube content that we're going to be sending your way. Also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Sunday, November the 21st for WWE Survivor Series. That's right. We're going to be broadcasting the Survivor Series watch party live at 8pm and also an hour before the show that's of course 7pm. We will be put putting a link to where you guys can check out WWE Survivor Series. We're going to have a bootleg link on our Twitter page for you guys to check out. And then make sure you guys go on the Twitch page. What you do is you turn the volume down on the pay-per-view, turn the volume up on Twitch. That way, it's like you're watching the show and following along with us because we can't legally show it on Twitch. Also on Twitch, we're going to be doing our live D&D show coming up in 2022. That's right. In the beginning of 2022, we're going to be making the D&D show possible. Uh, like I said, we have a lot of uh, stuff that we're dealing with in our personal
personal lives and with the show and everything. But we're hoping to get it back on track. But the goal is 2022 to give you guys the D&D show. We're going to be hyping it up. We're going to be making it great. And I guarantee you, you're going to love it when we air it. Also, we got other additional Twitch content coming your way. And finally, support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels you can contribute at with prizes coming soon. The first level is 99 cents per month. That's it. All you gotta do is give us 99 cents per month and you can help us grow the Boochcast. The second level you can donate at is $4.99 per month. That's right the same amount of money you would normally pay for a peacock subscription you can give to the boochcast i know a lot of you guys aren't real big fans of the peacock so screw the peacock give us the money we got better content anyway and we have the third and final level where you can donate for a mere 9.99 that's right same amount of money we used to pay for a network subscription here in the united states now that we no longer have it there's no place for you guys to put the 9.99 so take that 9.99 bring it over here we got better content than the network anyway and the best part is all the money that we make off of the Boochcast goes back into the Boochcast we use it to upgrade our equipment we use it to bring in bigger name guests pay our bills and of course it allows me to take care of all the guys who work really hard behind the scenes to make the Boochcast possible as well as on air so if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they deserve to be paid for their work anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen and if there is any money left over after we take care of all of that, we use the remainder of the money to feed Zach ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.